Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes you just want the quick facts. No opinions, no speculation. I'm Claire Thornton, an audio editor with USA Today. My team works around the clock to bring you the Five Things podcast. Every morning, me and my co-host Taylor Wilson help you know what to keep an eye out for that day. We always have a fresh mix of stories, from politics to entertainment to sports, covering all parts of the country. On Sundays, you can lean back with in-depth episodes about stories you may have heard earlier that week. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows and start listening to Five Things today. Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Governor Ron DeSantis pushes legislation punishing Disney. Lawmakers take up a redistricting plan erasing black congressional seats. And property insurance reforms are in the works, along with possibly some other things in another special session. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... John, uh, Florida lawmakers are calling Disney's number this week. I'm calling your number. What do you have for us? <laughs> You're right. Yeah, Zach, my number this week is 180. For you uh, geometry buffs, it's not full circle, but uh, but only half, a 180. Yeah, that the, uh, feels like what the legislature's been doing uh, lately with these special sessions, doing a 180 right towards uh, Governor DeSantis's positions. Uh, how about you, Antonio? What do you, what do you have? Well, I have a number, but it's going to give uh, John Dewey Decimal Kennedy some envy here. A 3.2. 3.2. All right. As George Bennett liked to say, decimal places are allowed. My number is 1.9 million. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll let you know what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis had a few surprises up his sleeves this week. First, announcing a special legislative session in May to take up property insurance reforms and then expanding a special legislative session this week on redistricting to include a bill targeting Disney. It's special session insanity in Tallahassee right now, and the governor's fight with Disney is the issue that has attracted the most national attention. And really, it's a pretty remarkable when you see the governor of Florida start bashing Disney, uh, which is the state's largest employer and most iconic company, really internationally uh, iconic company and a beloved one. But to take the step of actually punishing Disney is just kind of jaw-dropping. It really seems to be a new uh, era in Florida politics. Antonio, Republicans are spinning this as a sign that the party is willing to break free of its old cozy corporate relationships and take on big business, no matter the clout, while Democrats are saying this smacks of authoritarianism with the governor seeking to punish Disney because it criticized him over the so-called don't say gay law. What do you think? 
Well, I guess we can say that cancel culture never looks so good to Florida Republicans. But Zach, look, you're right. Yeah, but are you it, saying are you saying that Disney's getting canceled here, Antonio? Their 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 special taxing district is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, quite literally, it is getting canceled. Yeah. So, but look, it, but it's not just the governor. Republican lawmakers are all on this too. State Representative uh, Randy Fine of uh, Brevard County said this week that Florida is going to remind the Disney company that it is a guest in the Sunshine State. And Senate President Wilton Ran, Randy Fine, who moved here, I read uh, today in in two thousand. By the way, Disney's been here since the sixties. Well, <laughs> a guest is in the high of the, in the eye of the beholders here, I guess. <laughs> I could use you know be our guest reference, but you know why you know. But hey, look, it, it, and Wilton Simpson even told Disney to to get his legal team together. So it certainly looks a lot like Republicans who have so often decried cancel culture now seem to embrace it. Because this is what they're doing. They are, like I said, canceling Disney's special taxing district over nothing less than free speech. Uh, but, you know, but this move against Disney really, as you pointed out, is not out of character when it comes to Florida Republicans facing up to big businesses that used to be their allies. Um, you know, they have been getting the face of Florida businesses for more than a year. Remember, it was about a year ago when DeSantis belittled Norwegian cruise lines over COVID policies. And really, and really, Antonio, I, I would say it goes back a little bit further to, um, you know, Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran, who was the former House Speaker, going after um, Visit uh, Florida, the tourism marketing agency, saying that was, you know, basically subsidizing um, private companies. And there, there's been a little bit of that vain uh, building within the party for a while. And obviously Trump really exploded it with going after uh, businesses that crossed him nationally. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and Marco Rubio had been talking at one point about, you know, the Republican Party being a working class party. So, yeah, there, there are there's a lot of roots to this uh, beyond the legislation that, that kicked this off, um, you know, and, and but this year and what we've seen this in the past two years has been primarily in the face of COVID policies and this idea of reopening the economy and you know the freedom not to wear a mask and the classrooms and all of that. But this year, the governor and the lawmakers also took aim at diversity training programs and policies by corporations to sort of, you know, to be more inclusive and, and to have within their ranks a, a discourse and a culture that is more of embracing of of diversity and you know the governor has labeled all of that as woke companies and and you know they've passed this legislation uh, that could open up companies to legal action by employees yeah. you know so we, and you we also saw too. last year they went after the big tech companies which have become kind of a villain of conservatives because of their content moderation policies well that's the the, the origins almost the origins of cancel culture the idea that these tech companies someone on one of their platforms said something that violated certain rules or standards that they would get kicked off. So yeah, that that's where the, a lot of the cancel culture um, rhetoric came out of. But of course, no company right now has drawn DeSantis's ire as Disney has. And to extent, look, this is predictable. We noted in an earlier podcast that Disney kind of also provoked some of this with their late entry into the arena to oppose this parental rights and education law, which has been renamed by critics as the don't say gay law. And certainly this action against Disney is punishment. You know, there's no other reason for it. The, the only reason it's being taken is because Disney executives turned critical of this new law. What do you think, it, Antonio? I mean, Democrats are saying this is 
an abuse of power, that it's authoritarianism, that you're you're punishing, you're using the full force of the government to punish your your critics. Um, you know, others I, I, I've talked to have said, well, you know, this happens all the time in politics. You reward your friends, punish your foes, maybe not so overtly or dramatically. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, yes, but in this case, in this case, you have a company that has for more than 50, close to 60 years, has had this taxing district. And it's been part of the, you know, there, there's no other policy issue here. This right. is simply, you are now going to take retribution. You're using the power of government to take retribution for simply, simply speech rights. This, it's not like Disney is overturning, they're not suing to overturn this law. I mean, they are. They are. They simply came out. The 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 CEO of the company issued a letter to its their employees saying, "Hey, we were late to the game on this. We're sorry. This, you know, that's you know, you know, when when you take this kind of action, that's almost textbook authoritarianism. I mean, this is this is purely retribution, and 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 in a significant way." And the issues uh, really have nothing to do with each other. You're talking about, on one hand, this policy bill that Disney um, didn't like for, I guess, you know, uh, they, I guess they're saying it doesn't align with their values. And then, you know, you go after them on a taxing district that's totally unrelated. Yeah, right. I mean, they, they, there's other measures they could have done. I mean, they could have taken back the incentives to move the 2,000 employees here. I mean, there's all the other things they could have done. But again, it all... You know, this this is the essence of what we're struggling with in this society right now in, in quote unquote, this cancel culture. It is that, you know, generally speaking, the way this works is if you are offended by a company, OK, you don't you don't go there. You tell your people not to, you know, you boycott it, whatever you want to do. In this case, you are really taking dramatic action to significantly harm its operations and ultimately its employer base, which is a lot of your constituents, simply simply because the CEO wrote a letter to its employees saying to the company employees saying, Hey, look, we regret that we didn't, that we didn't oppose this earlier, that we didn't reach out to the government earlier. Boy, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty harsh. So what do you, what do you think this says about the governor's power? And John, if you have any thoughts on this, I'm curious to hear them too, but I, I, you know, DeSantis, he announces on uh, Tuesday morning that he's going to expand this special session to include this bill punishing Disney. And by Tuesday afternoon, the bill is already cleared. It's you know, the House and Senate committees, and it's just breezing through. I don't think I've ever seen legislation announced, unveiled, and, and passed as quickly as this Disney bill. I wonder what it says about the governor's power and also whether the governor is trying to grow his power with this bill by sh just punishing his critics and putting everybody on notice that if you cross him, um, you know, there's going to be big repercussions. But with the legislature going along with this and, and Antonio, you, you pointed out. I don't know that the governor had to twist everybody's arm to to go forward with this. I mean, a lot of lawmakers are are definitely on board. Randy Fine, who's leading this charge in the House, um, you know, came out early uh, attacking Disney after they um, you know criticized the the so-called "Don't Say Gay" law. There's lots of other uh, lawmakers who came out um, and have been aggressive in in um, saying that Disney um, needs to be punished. Here, uh, Spencer Roach uh, tweeted that he was meeting with. 
with uh, lawmakers to get rid of the the special district that governs Disney a few weeks ago. So I don't know if DeSantis, you know, if this, you know, he, he had to push hard on lawmakers or if a lot of them want to do this. But certainly in the in the Senate, you would think that they would go slowly on something that affected a major company like this and, uh, you know, a major donor to Republicans. Yeah, but I don't think, you know, to be honest, to a certain extent, when you look at the rank and file uh, of the Republican Party today, this is not a controversial action to them. Disney has been in the crosshairs, particularly of Christian evangelicals for a number of years. This is a company that has been a kind of a leader in, in not only internally with employees in terms of being very open and yeah, and, and being very accommodating of diversity, but even in its products, the movies that it's done, the 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 shows that they they have gone out and been a leader in many ways in a more inclusive society. And to a lot of people, particularly when it comes to LGBTQ plus issues in some in many parts of Florida, that's a, a red line that, that Disney has crossed. And I think for a lot of the lawmakers in these areas, it would actually have been more politically uh, risky not to have taken action. I mean, I'd love you, to hear. You don't what, think, though, it's kind of uncomfortable. I mean, they hold their 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 um, fundraisers at Disney. You know, they go to their th- these lawmakers professionally and personally are at Disney all the time. And this yes. is the state's largest employer. You don't think it's uh, yes. slightly uh, awkward and uncomfortable for it, them it to be, yeah. be fighting the largest employer in the state. Yeah, it is awkward and uncomfortable. But to be honest, I think it's starting to get that it's it was getting very awkward and uncomfortable because I think they were getting pushback. I see it on social media all the time. Yeah, they were, they were right. getting pushback, and you know, and and they took an action. You know, we'll see how this works out. I mean, I and we should pull John into this. Yeah, what's your take, John? The, well, the well, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's a very, you know, the, the legislature is very supplicant to the governor. They'll do whatever he wants. And in this case, they are also hearing the same drumbeat coming from, you know, the Fox News of the world, uh, that, that conservative social media, conservative mainstream media that is pushing this as a front burner issue, that there must be something to rein in Disney because they are pushing back against the, uh, you know, parental rights legislation, the so-called don't say gay bill. So I think these legislators, once they return to their home districts, you know, it's one of those kind of believe it or not, I guess they also started hearing from constituents that were saying there must be some, you know, something we can do about Disney. And of course, the governor is very creative. And uh, this discussion about the uh, Reedy Creek Improvement District, which is a part of the Florida landscape, the self-governing authority given Disney, uh, that uh, that's something that they saw as a uh, easy avenue that they could attack. They're attacking it, but they're attacking it in a very guileful way, too, in the sense that uh, none of this will take effect for a year. So they have given themselves time to sober up, basically. And they've also given themselves time to extract campaign contributions from Disney, because Disney will probably come back now soon, kind of hat in hand, like, you know, uh, let's be friends. They'll find a way to start contributing again. This They they have paused their contributions, but they'll unpause those contributions pretty soon. And then at the same time, DeSantis also will be cashing in on contributions coming from 
the right from people that have really been worked up about Disney. So DeSantis gets it both ways. He'll be getting it from the company that is, uh, you know, begging for forgiveness, and he'll be getting contributions from the conservatives who have been calling for this, you know, pound of flesh out of the state's largest employer. Yeah, uh, I I think that politically this helps DeSantis a lot. I mean, uh, it it doesn't even though Disney is a pretty beloved company, um, when you start taking positions on social issues, on cultural issues, uh, I don't I think that it's gloves off and conservatives are happy to see somebody like DeSantis um, punching back uh, on this. And uh, I think politically it, it helps him. And uh, I, I just don't know, though. I think there are some Republicans out there who are squeamish about punishing uh, a company or or anybody like this simply for for speaking their mind uh, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how um you know that that sort of um you know that i guess posture that DeSantis has put himself in whether whether that um you know plays well in, in the long term i mean when you kind of set yourself up as as uh, somebody who has absolute authority in politics to, you know, dish out, um, you know, punishment and, and rewards, um, it can be, you know, pretty, uh, I, I guess, I guess you can get a lot of benefits from that in, in the short term, um, but it, it potentially could lead to excesses in the long term. So there, there are, but I think John puts out a really important point, And there is that fail safe element in this that it doesn't take effect into another for another year so basically they can reap the rewards in the 2022 elections and if this really does have unintended consequences they got a year to address them so i right i think that may satisfy that squeamishness well talking exactly. about I think, I, yeah i was gonna say I, I think i think punishment for speaking your mind as you phrased it i don't think that's a bad thing anymore within the republican uh, base I think that's yeah. something that's supported. So uh, I well, think the it's, 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 will get it's some funny because that's rewards. what the whole cancel culture is about. Punishment right, for speaking right. in your yeah. mind that people are upset that people are getting kicked off of Twitter or Facebook or whatever for speaking their mind. And, you know, uh, this whole idea that, you know, everything is so politically correct now and you can't just say what you think. And and uh, this seems to be. Uh, the the exact same like as 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 Antonio well, said you know canceling Disney for speaking their mind on uh, legislation uh, there seems to be some big hypocrisy well, there. Zach, well, Zach, you know, cancel culture. Don't knock it until you've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the governor's uh, power, there was another issue uh, that lawmakers were in Tallahassee uh, this week. Not only is uh, DeSantis getting his way with legislation punishing Disney. But the lawmakers are also deferring to the governor and advancing a congressional redistricting map drawn by his team. John, it's uh, absolutely unprecedented to have the governor completely take over redistricting like this. And his plan also is a really big departure from the last 30 years of redistricting in the way it treats black voters. Yeah, uh, Florida black leaders are warning that this congressional map just turns back the clock, likely reducing the ability of minority voters to elect their candidate of choice, at least in North Florida and parts of Central Florida. Um, Congressman Al Lawson's District 5, which goes from Jacksonville to Tallahassee right now, that would be turned into a Duval County only Republican dominated district. And uh, Congresswoman Val Deming's Orlando area district would lose a lot of its black population, making it less probable that a uh, black representative would be elected there. So, you know, the bottom line is of the state's four districts now held by black Democrats, two could be eliminated. 
And for a state that has only elected its first black members of Congress 30 years ago, since uh, late in the 19th century during Reconstruction, uh, the, 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 this stands as a as a sorry setback for for minority voters in the state. Uh, indeed, Florida's only black majority county, that's Gadsden County near the Georgia line, that would be included in a very Republican red district, uh, losing the black congressman, that's Al Lawson. Uh, he's represented voters there since 2016. Now, now DeSantis is calling this map race neutral. And uh, Democrats are countering that, saying that DeSantis has basically neutralized black voters. Uh, now, whether the map will be thrown out by a court remains an open question. Uh, DeSantis thinks he's on firm legal ground with his proposal. He's uh, citing recent uh, United States Supreme Court rulings on redistricting, uh, which you know, may be influenced by the court now having a solid conservative majority. And the state Supreme Court now has three of its seven members appointed by DeSantis. That also may help him with any uh, eventual review of the map there. But uh, even if opponents are eventually successful at having the congressional plan overturned, uh, it is likely to take a lot of time. And that means that this map will probably be in place for June candidate qualifying and for the November elections. The, the map is seen as likely producing 20 Republican members of Congress from Florida out of 28 seats. That's a, a sharp increase from the state's current 16 Republicans and 11 Democrats. Uh, the state is gaining a seat this year because of uh, population increases. So um, there you know, perhaps four more Republican members of Congress from Florida. Uh, and that should help the National Republican Party with its efforts to try to win control of the U.S. House in November's midterm elections. And of course, for DeSantis, it's a, another opportunity for him to look like some kind of hero to his party nationally as he starts shaping up for that White House run that we all expect him to make in 2024. But for uh, black Floridians, it's a, it's a tough time. Uh, organizers say they will work to get up the vote efforts this fall and you know, somehow try to improve black voter turnout to, to vote against DeSantis in the fall when he's on the ballot for re-election. Um, and of course, on a statewide level, black voters still have their current level of strength, about 15% of the state vote. But in these individual congressional districts under this plan, their, their impact and influence is almost certain to be diluted, especially across North Florida, which the map likely turns completely Republican red. Um, you know, maybe it's not surprising based on the policies that we've seen coming from the governor lately, but DeSantis doesn't seem like he's looking to help any community that doesn't agree with him. And black voters, because they vote overwhelmingly Democrat, are an easy target for him. And black Floridians are certain to become more politically isolated and uh, underrepresented if this if this state is if this map is endorsed by by a court, so that that's something we're going to be watching in in coming months. But um, once this uh, with this map being approved, uh, there, there seems to be no turning back. That that's the map that's probably going to be used in November. So, John, um, there's currently five black members of Congress from Florida, including one Republican, Byron Donalds, right. down in Naples. <laughs> Um, but that's a you know a Republican leaning seat. It's not a uh, African American. Um, you know, it doesn't have a significant so number. Right. Yeah, so, but there's currently four congressional seats that have 
a large number of black voters so that it's likely that they're going to elect a black member of Congress. And this would go down to two under the current redistricting plan <clears throat> or the proposed one. That's right. Cut in half. And, yeah. Um, so. You know, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's going to be remarkably uh, different across uh, much of Florida. It's really almost like the, the upper half of Florida now is going to be uh, pretty much all Republican red. Everything from uh, from the Orlando and Tampa line going north uh, is likely to elect a Republican. And that's a part of the state where really you had, you know, it's kind of there's old saying in Florida, right? The further north you go, the further south you go, that's. That's the right. state that has the probably the, the most um, painful racial history in Florida, where you had plantations, you had, um, you know, a, a black people who were very uh, oppressed um, for for a long time um, until, uh, you know, and then who didn't have any representation uh, in Congress and until 1992 when when the districts changed. And, and now this basically wipes that out. Right. That's right. Yeah. The, the, in a story I wrote recently, I pointed out how uh, Gadsden County, which I had mentioned is the state's only majority black county, that in, in roughly 1960, black, uh, uh, Gadsden County had seven registered black voters out of a population of almost 12,000 people. That was a result of, uh, you know, racial violence, racial segregation, you know, when it came to voting rights, uh, you know, they, they hardly existed. Uh, and that is the county that you know, for the last six years anyway, has been represented by Lawson. And um, even prior to that, it had there was a Democratic leaning seat that included uh, Gadsden County and that uh, took in uh, uh, the Leon County area, too, in uh, Tallahassee. So all that's gone. That, the Gadsden County voters and all those voters across North Florida that are black uh, across that long belt where you pointed out, you know, it's sort of the, the, the history of plantations in Florida, that th those voters are all going to be in what will likely be Republican districts from here on for in. Yeah, and it's it's worth pointing out that this isn't ancient history. The the guy who you interviewed for your story, John, which is very good, and everybody should go check that out. The head of the NAACP in Gadsden County, you know, was a young man when uh, you know there 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 was only seven uh, black registered voters in Gadsden County. I mean, he was uh, you know he's now the head of the NAACP, and uh, you know he's. Uh, a senior citizen now, but but uh, you know he was voting age when there was still major impediments to uh, African Americans even registering and actually voting um, in in that area. So um, pretty pretty interesting to see how um, things are are, are changing uh, again with those congressional seats. Uh, well, Florida's legislative overtime doesn't end this month with redistricting and Disney, but will extend into May with a special session on property insurance and possibly other issues. DeSantis had been getting a lot of pressure to deal with the state's property insurance crisis, with critics saying he's too focused on culture war issues and not enough on pocketbook concerns. And he responded on Monday by calling a special session next month on the insurance issue. But that might not be all that lawmakers discuss. The governor is saying that other issues could be on the table. There's been talk of passing so-called constitutional carry legislation that would allow people to carry guns without concealed weapons permits. Other ideas um, for legislation have been tossed around. Antonio, 
after we got uh, this surprise from uh, DeSantis on uh, the Disney bill being dropped this week, you think he has a few other surprises up his sleeves here? Yeah, but something tells me he will not go anti-woke or take Disney-like punitive actions against the insurance industry. And that's just not been successful in the past. Uh, you know, back in the late 2000s, during one of the state's cyclical insurance crises, uh, then-Republican Governor Charlie Crist went after the insurance companies and declared that he was going to drive the last nail into the coffin of the insurance industry. Well, that didn't work out really well for Chris, who actually actually closed the lid on his days as a Republican leader. Now, the, the property insurance landscape also holds plenty of pitfalls for DeSantis and, and governors. I mean, it's it's been an intractable problem for the last 30 years, ever since Hurricane Andrew tore through the bottom of the peninsula in 1992. You know, unlike Disney, you know, insurance is not a leisure industry, nor is it a discretionary purchase, as economists would describe it. Uh, home insurance is, look, it's a must-have for the bulk of Florida homeowners. And right now, it is a marketplace in crisis. Some insurance companies have gone belly up. Some insurance companies are no longer writing policies in Florida. And other insurance companies are canceling policies, or better said, not renewing them after they expire. In the past six months, a handful of insurance companies have either canceled or refused to renew close to half a million homeowner policies in Florida. Full transparency here, guys. I just got my letter this week telling me my policy will not be renewed once it expires in the summer. So the loss of insurance coverage is a reason why Citizens Property Insurance, the insurance company of last resort in Florida, is again approaching one million policyholders. That is problematic because if the state were to get crushed by a major hurricane, Florida taxpayers would theoretically be on the hook to pay claims as citizens ran out of money. Although we have to say it in the past, the company has found ways of getting extra amounts of capital and even levied assessments to get itself uh, back into the black after a major storm. Now, citizens already took a proactive approach this year by, by the, a couple of months, weeks ago by moving to raise its rates by another 11%. And by the way, once citizens raise its rates, private insurers generally follow so even if you're not a citizen's customer, your rates are likely to go up too. So the question is, you say, Zach, is does DeSantis have an ace or some plan up his sleeve? I have to bet that he does. Property insurance has been a lose-lose proposition for Florida governors in the past. And by calling this special session and, and addressing taking on this issue, DeSantis is effectively taking ownership of this crisis. And it would be stunning if the legislature would convene and not offer up a solution. It would also be politically bad news for a governor seeking re-election in five months because it would show, as you said earlier, it would show an inability to fix problems and cast him as a governor who finds it very easy to toss around red meat cultural war issues. But when it comes down to household pocketbook problems, he doesn't have solutions. Yeah, and it should be noted that, I mean, property insurance is a wickedly difficult issue in Florida. You know, it's a very risky state. You got a lot of hurricanes and and things uh, a lot of the big insurance players have have uh, pulled out or restricted their business in Florida so you have a lot of smaller companies that are not as secure but um, you know there's also been a lot of criticism of the industry the, of, of its financial practices and that it, it doesn't operate uh, in a way that is um, you know that that is consumer friendly so uh, it would be fascinating to see what DeSantis does here I think it probably for him just 
doing something is the important thing. Uh, it's not clear that whatever he does will have a big impact on prices and uh, stabilizing the industry because that's been very hard to do. But politically, um, it seemed like uh, he was, uh, you know, this was a potential liability for him. And so um, at least he can say uh, they did something at this point. Uh, we'll move on to some numbers here. John, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, uh, Zach, uh, as you know, I've been focusing on redistricting these days, and uh, 180 was my number, and that's the number of miles that Congressional District 2 in the Florida Panhandle stretches and the uh, redistricted congressional map that has been promoted by Governor DeSantis and is adopted by the state legislature. The boundaries for the state's 28 districts that, you know, are going to give Republicans probably 20 seats up from the current 16 um, – the, the 180 mile CD2, that stretches across North Florida from roughly Panama City to Madison, and it's 55% Republican. Um, it's That's the one that's gonna include the decidedly Democratic uh, Gadsden County, the state's only majority black county, uh, along with Leon County, that's the state's capital county that like Gadsden is heavily Democratic, but it's now gonna be subsumed in a Republican district. Um, but that the, the interesting thing about 180 miles of District 2, that, that seems to be okay with Governor Ron DeSantis and the uh, Republican legislature, even though the governor has been railing about the 200-mile district that currently is uh, Congressman Al Lawson's Jacksonville to Tallahassee district. That was uh, considered a racial gerrymander, uh, DeSantis says, and uh, it should be, you know, th that's one of the reasons why he basically called the session and recast the uh, congressional map, trying to get rid of Lawson's district. One of the reasons being, okay, it has a uh, large black population, but also in DeSantis's view, it was 200 miles long, which seemed crazy to him. Well, there's a 180 mile long Republican-leaning district that seems to be pretty fine. Um, you know, so you got to wonder about uh, this uh, hypocrisy that's uh, being tucked in here when it comes to uh, what is going to be acceptable and what isn't going to be acceptable. Um, you know, that District 2 goes across 16 North Florida counties, and it basically connects a lot of Republican red voters while roping in these unfortunate Democrats in Gadsden and Leon counties. Um, you know, as I'd mentioned, District 2 would go from Panama City to the town of Madison. And for those used to driving Interstate 90, Interstate 10 in North Florida, just further east on 10, that's where Lawson's 200-mile district currently picks up. And it's been branded bad, at least in the view of DeSantis, in part because of its length. But, you know, here, even as the governor's staff has been crowing about the compact nature of his congressional map, the new 180-mile-long District 2 is not the only long district that DeSantis is proposing and Republican legislators are embracing. Congressional District 18 in the center of the state, that stretches 150 miles. That includes eight counties and goes from Lakeland to Naples. And again, it's 61% Republican voting. So the Republicans seem to have no problem with the shape or the length of districts as long as they vote Republican. So um, the importance of compactness in these district lines appears to be, you know, it matters most if DeSantis can use a lack of compactness as a weapon against a North Florida black performing district that would elect a Democrat. But, um, you know, when it comes to wide ranging districts that elect Republicans, in his view, it seems to be no problem. 
Well, we'll see if the courts agree with the governor that it's not a problem. Yeah, that that compactness issue sounds like something that will be uh, litigated. Antonio, what's uh, your number all about? Uh, 3.2 as in 3.2%, which is Florida's reported unemployment rate. That's just two-tenths of a percent away from the record low of 3% in early 2020, just before the pandemic hit. So as one employment official told me a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have pretty much fully recovered from the pandemic economic recession. The question is, who will voters give credit for this to? DeSantis and Florida Republicans or the Biden administration and Democrats? Well, we won't find out until November, but so far it's DeSantis who has been masterful or diabolical, depending on your political preference, in being able to take credit for good results while also being able to blame poor outcomes on Democrats. For example, every time there's a strong employment report, uh, DeSantis is pointing out that he reopened the economy and kept it open. But he's equally quick to blame inflation and price increases, which surges in employment uh, do produce, on the Biden administration. Never mind, too, that the COVID death toll in Florida has topped 73,000 and many public health experts have chided DeSantis for recklessness. Never mind that the millions of Floridians who've gotten sick and missed work have had a, that's had a disruptive influence on the economic flow and productivity, and that's contributed to product shortages and supply chain problems that have caused consumers. Nonetheless, the governor has been effective in stealing candy from the Democrats. For example, he took money from the Biden administration last year and then turned around and took credit as he ended out bonuses to teachers and first responders. And, and John has talked plenty about how these record budgets that the governor and the Republican-led legislature have passed in the past two years have been chock full of money from the Biden administration. Now, there are Democrats out there, and here in Palm Beach County, uh, U.S. Representative uh, Lois Frankel of West Palm Beach is one of them who's out there trying to do their best to message the help that they say they've provided the citizenry. Nonetheless, recent polls, which you have cited in the past, guys, uh, show that DeSantis has a favorable approval rating largely because he has succeeded in convincing Floridian that his policies have succeeded and whatever is bad out there is the problem is created by the Democrats. All right, and my number is 1.9 million. That's the number of black voters in Florida in the 2020 election, and that's just over uh, one-sixth of the electorate. That's a number worth remembering as DeSantis antagonizes the black community with a congressional map that wipes out two black congressional seats. Will black voters be motivated to try and seek revenge on election day? Do they have enough political clout to make a difference in the race? Those are questions worth considering going forward. Black voters turnout spiked in 2018 in Florida with Andrew Gillum, the black former mayor of Tallahassee as the Democratic nominee for governor, but Gillum still lost to DeSantis. One reason may be that white voter turnout increased even more that year. DeSantis has been playing to the GOP base with culture war issues that could help boost Republican voter turnout and counteract any increase in motivation within the black community this year. But the governor seems to be doing everything possible to give black voters a reason to hit the polls. Not only is he pushing a redistricting map that will decrease black representation in Congress, but he also has been a leader in trying to limit how schools and businesses approach racial issues. And he championed a bill in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests that critics saw as an attempt to discourage future demonstrations. Black voter turnout hit historic levels in Florida when Obama was on the ballot, and he won the state twice. So that indicates, uh, <clears throat> sorry, 
one more time. Black voter turnout hit historic levels in Florida when Obama was on the ballot and they won the state twice. So a big spike in black turnout does have the potential to be a difference maker here. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru this week, Chandler Hofel, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.